ladies and gentlemen, back at you on the ones and twos, come at you slinging rhythm and blues for a brand new episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. We are here to have a uh, nice chat today about a recent movie causing all sorts of crazy controversy out there in the world. That is one Todd Phillips Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Frank and I got to take in this movie back uh, over uh, the weekend, and we are here to talk about it now. Uh, I guess, um, Frank, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. The Yankees just swept the Twins. They swept them. They swept them. They fucking swept them. It was nuts. It was so late, and then all the post-game stuff was so late. Um, it was and, so late. And I they just so looked, they looked so good. The whole... The defense on playing in Minnesota last night just looked fantastic. Judge was on point. Uh, and then the offense, just like they took advantage, they took the opportunities to score runs and win. And that was great. Yeah, just and, chip away. And, I mean, the ga- we were at game two for everyone. Just, yeah. It was electric. It was insane. It was so much fun there. It was wild. Um, but earlier in the day, uh, before we went to this crazy game, uh, we went to this crazy movie, and yeah. we needed a, a nap in between because it was just, like, so much. Too much. Um, so much. So much going on, because we went to Comic-Con the day before, which we'll talk about at a later time, but, um, yes. oh my god. Uh, Joker, we did a, a matinee in Queens with Danny and Shayna. Oh, um, yeah. Shayna was like, why'd you take me? <laughs> she was. She was not thrilled with um, my decision to bring her to the movie. But, but you know, okay. like, this is uh, this movie um, is one that, like, I kind of kept my distance from. Sure. In that, uh, you know, I'd seen the trailer, but I wasn't really, like, up on all the details and the 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 interviews and the everything behind it. And, you know, like like I would for like a Marvel or a Star Wars. Like this was just like, I was interested. It looked good. If, if the, the reviews and the buzz around it were going to be good, I'd go see it, especially because the trailer looked great. Um, and my God, it's just, it's, it's not, uh, it's, you know, it's a comic book movie, but it doesn't feel like one. No, it's definitely a, uh, a departure from the normal movies that we've seen. So, I think we'll take a few seconds to talk about some spoiler-free shit, and then we'll go full on into it if that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea because yeah, there's tons a lot of, to spoil. There's a lot to spoil in this movie. Um, I think that this movie is really interesting and unique. Uh, it's one of the first movies like that you can say that like definitely comes from a comic book that is very very arty and like uh, you know doing things for dramatic and uh you know film effect and i think that that really does play well uh throughout this movie um it's making clear homages to a cup to a couple of other movies that are older and from like a different kind of 70s anti-hero uh reactionary you know ultra violent kind of movies and this definitely fits right in you know with the likes of taxi driver uh i i liked it i think that it's cool uh, I think it was very dark in a way that like DC can bring. It can bring a level of realism and grit and sometimes even like a little bit of brutality that I don't know if, you know, some of the other, you know, super movie superhero movie fair that we see does. And 
I'm thrilled that they put this entry in the books. And I think that, you know, going forward, like, holy crap, like, does this change up the game for what they can do? Like, I've seen a thousand articles coming up in the, even just the past two days saying that uh, Warner Brothers is looking to get going on a Doctor, uh, excuse me, a Two-Face movie and potentially a Mr. Freeze movie. Um, mm. So I think it's definitely very, very cool and could lead to maybe a different angle that uh, they can go in. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's weird because like this is an R-rated movie. Um, obviously, it's not the first one. We had Logan, we had Deadpool, um, and those both were brutal and violent. Um, right, but, but know, they're Deadpool's done, done tongue-in-cheek. You know, like the whole aspect yeah. is that it's funny and like almost for well maybe not logan but maybe not logan but like De- deadpool like at least most of the you know the brutality or like the craziness in deadpool is really done for comedic effect like i don't know if it's exactly all, you know it so this is done like i think a little bit differently frank like do you think that this movie like i've been walking around and like i do i have been thinking about it but like do you want to see this movie again like i, I don't know I don't know. I don't think so. And that's what's that's what's weird because, you know, we talk about the Dark Knight and, and Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker and how iconic it is. And going back and revisiting that is is great. And you can still do it. Um, I, I definitely don't want to see this again in theaters. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go back and watch it even in, like on Blu-ray release or, you know, whenever it comes out. I just it's it's such a an intense movie um it's it's a mental you have to be in the right mental space for it and like now that you know i mean obviously going in for the first time you don't really know what you're gonna get but i don't know like i think that's one thing that may be to its detriment um it's just hard to watch at times but um i don't know what do you think do you, would you see it again i'm kind of thinking i want to see it again now that i've been like kind of thinking about it Cause it, but I I don't know like how quickly I'll go. I think it'll probably be in a couple weeks. Einstein, did you like the movie? Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, it it's. I think the thing that you were saying about um, the the other Batman villains, like I don't know if I want to just get like the Rogues Gallery of Batman villains without Batman. It's that might not be enough. First of all, I think that none of this is like set in stone. I think that that's something that is very clear that there isn't a Kevin Feige at DC who's like, this is where we're going to go and this is how we're going to build it out. I think what they're doing is something quite different, which is to say, we make movies. Let's use really great directors and make really great movies. And if we can intertwine them in some way later on, great. But like, let's try to focus on making really good movies. And I think that's why this movie even exists is that like, Todd Phillips, who's made, you know, the, all the Hangover movies and is like, a, you know, done a couple other things for uh, WB. Like he's been had been pushing this script for a long time, and then finally got the opportunity to make kind of a, a relatively lower budget superhero movie that's kind of just outside of what we're all used to. Um, and I think that that it, it totally worked. And I think that there is going to be. Maybe this is their answer to the Sinister Six, that maybe instead of Sony being able to do the Sinister Six the way that they would have maybe tried to do, um, and like how they had success with Venom, that like Batman has way more compelling villains than Spider-Man. 
you know, and they yeah. and they all have pretty kick-ass backstories. So I think that the the potential there is a lot greater. And if you reverse engineer it to be like you make the villain more of the uh, center of the story, and then pepper Batman in there or the lore of Batman in there in different places, then you can do it. Like they, I think, uh, you know, some of the choices that you know. Okay, so let's talk about Joaquin real quick. Like, I think he's just awesome. You know, back in the day, it was rumored that he was going to be Doctor Strange. I'm really glad he wasn't Doctor Strange, and we had Benedict Cumberbatch being the Joker. That would have been horrible. I'm really glad that everything worked out. I don't know if that it's a one-to-one, but I hear what you're saying. You know, like, it just worked out. So, Joker is, like, this is a great role for him. And it's not to say that Joaquin hasn't done other really great movies, like, uh, he's been in, um, I just found out the, we just found out he was in space camp. He was in a couple of their kids, kids movies in the eighties. He, but mainly I know him from his work from like the early aughts on. So gladiator signs, walk the line, uh, the, I'm not really there movie that he did about his rap career. That was crazy. And mm-hmm. obviously I, I'm not, I, we know we talked about this earlier. His work in the master is also really great. Um, and this just feels like a culmination of all those different things. Her is awesome. Uh, I don't know. I love this. I loved his acting. I thought he really brought something totally new to it and weird, um, and specific. What do you think? Yeah, no, he, he's obviously the most compelling part about it. And I think, um, uh, you know, like we talk about this all the time in our other superhero conversations, like the villain makes the movie, right? That if you don't have a good villain, everything else kind of doesn't feel right. And so in this one, it's, um, you don't have a hero necessarily. It's more of like watching his descent, like in a lot of ways, like breaking bad, right. Where you're, you're, you know, like probably where the end result's going to end up. Um, but it's the journey, how you get there along the way. And I think he does such a, a great job, um, with this like unraveling of who he is. Um, you know, and I think the other thing that you were saying before about the Batman villains, like the the cool thing about the Joker is that like he has no origin story and he has a million origin stories. It's like always up into into interpretation, um, and so they were able to create this movie from the ground up and say we just want to make this story, and like they were able to put you know the Joker stamp on it because it it fit. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. the, the way that they realize this character, it just it feels um, so. Uh, I, to me, it feels like a tragedy. Like we we see so many superhero movies that end in you know that are comedies or you know that end in uh, you know really nice happy endings. Like this is not one of those movies, you know, and, and it, it definitely does challenge you at different times. And I think with that being said, we have to get into some spoilers. Yes. Anything you want to talk about before we get into some spoilers? Um, I mean, I, I, the only other things that we usually put in this section um, are kind of like the general vibe around the movie, like what people are saying and maybe what how much it made. But sure, I think... We, it, so it made $93 million. It did better yeah. than any other... Uh, did better than Venom did last year. has the biggest October opening of all time. Uh, which is great because that that means Warner Brothers will start releasing movies at this time. You know they do, they've been doing Conjuring stuff 
you know, usually in September, usually in September, October, but to do Joker like this is really awesome. So I hope that yeah, we can it, get a nice, like, otherwise dark... dead time, which is good because we rather. How awesome would it be to get a cool scarecrow movie? Like, that would be awesome. I'm cool to see yeah. that. Um, okay. Uh, so a lot of the, like, the discussion around this movie is like, is this bad for the culture? Um, you know, I, I think that. You know, the the issue with that is, you know, really specific. You know, uh, I was talking with uh, our other friend and uh, long-lost hero adjacent, uh, Matt Zeeby, uh, this morning, and we were talking about how, like, talking about how, like, you know, the Trenchcoat Mafia guys, like, they saw The Matrix a couple months earlier and, like, they took the coats. I don't think that people are necessarily inspired by movies, TV, media to go out and commit Harold Relax, but I think that they influence them in different ways. In the same way that we include Easter eggs in here or in my songs or my notes, like you take things from what you like and you incorporate them into your shit. So I don't think that this movie is necessarily, you know, it's, is it bad for the culture? It's bad for little kids to see, sure. And we've already done the best that we can by, you know, making it an R-rated movie. But ultimately, I, I don't think that this movie is like bad to have out there. Frank, what do you think on this big debate? Yeah, I mean, we, we sort of talked about it at lunch the other day, too. Like, I think the people that are going to do horrible acts are going to do horrible acts regardless of what um, they see in the media. Um, I think that, yeah, like you said, you, you, you take the things they like. So it could have been this movie. It could have been take, taken from something else. Sometimes, uh, like when we were talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Charles Manson, they, t they twist something that's good. Uh, you right. know, like the Beatles, uh, or you, you twist something like a, a, a novel, uh, like The Catcher in the Rye, uh, w with the murdering of, of John Lennon. Like so, people will find something to latch onto to um, uh, use, yeah, use that, for their interest to justify what they're gonna do. Right. And and really, there's no justification, especially if if they are mentally ill. Um, they're gonna do that regardless um you know this it is hard to watch and like like we were saying before both of us are kind of like i don't know maybe we'll see it again but that's because i would like to think we have uh you know a a happy healthy life with our families and support system and yeah. that we're able to and you know so like that's that's for us but you know there are other people out there that maybe you know, we'll take this the wrong way. Um, and that's, that's unfortunate. And hopefully that doesn't happen, but well, um, in this, in this universe, you can definitely see the effects of, you know, not having good mental health care for people and that, and, you know, oddly similar realities to stuff that we have today, how you yeah, know, it's a very meta stance, right? That they're, yeah. they're saying that. Okay. So, uh, I think right now we've covered almost everything. I mean, I want to talk about what Todd Phillips has said, but only I think at the end because he's being, I, I think he's being weird, but we'll talk about it later. Spoilers okay. for later. Um, so yeah, let's get into spoilers. So three and two and one. Spoiler alert! Okay, so uh, this is a very different take on the Joker in that he's tied to Batman in a very different way. And I think that that really, the way that this movie carries that torch towards uh the end of this movie and the way that it kind of closes is masterful uh i love this twist and i think that it's central to how the story works in that you have you know this you know nature versus nurture you know debate 
you know, of if, course. if you are, you know, is it nature that makes somebody bad or is, and just, they're just generally bad people that exist in the world or do people go bad because of their circumstances and to see how they played this out using uh, Penny Fleck, you know, so, you know, in the movie we find out that Penny Fleck, Arthur Fleck's mother, you know, uh, she says that she used to uh, date, you know, uh, Thomas Wayne and work for Thomas Wayne, but ultimately um, it is later revealed that, you know, she had uh, Arthur Fleck as the baby and that, you know, they live over here and she wants to have, you know, money and restitution. And I guess the whole point of the movie being set in the period piece is you can't just go do a DNA test, you know what I mean? So Right, yeah. You know, and there's... I think the way that the periodness of the movie really works, like there's no cell phones, there's no internet, you know, people all watch The Tonight Show. Uh, I think that that's really very excellent. But back onto the twist. Um, when you have the pivotal scene where you have Arthur Fleck confronting Thomas Wayne, you finally get to see Thomas Wayne do something and give character characterization to, you know, the man we've seen outside of these glorified memories of Bruce. Like, Anytime we see a, a memory of Thomas Wayne in the in the movies, like we're seeing a memory of Bruce Wayne through his eyes and perspective, we've never seen. Right, just it's Thomas always Wayne. a positive experience, right? right? Like you, you see him like begging for his life. You see, I mean, there's a lot actually in Batman Begins, right? We see more of with Thomas Wayne. Sure, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I love Nolan's Thomas Wayne, but like at the same time, you don't see Tom, you don't see a scene of Thomas Wayne just like with his business people. You know what I mean? Like doing right. business, like you see him with Bruce or doing something with Bruce. Um, I don't know. So here I like this scene. And then when it twists, he twists and it goes like, oh no, you're adopted. Like she's crazy. We had her committed, you know, all this different stuff. And then you go on to see all the ramifications therein of that system of that. It's just, it's just awesome. And I, and I loved it. And that's my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, it's like a double twist because they, they, they reveal it and then they Tease backtrack it, it and then they then they confirm it, right? And so, um, it's it's interesting to have um, you know Bruce and Arthur kind of intertwined as as family members. Um, it's uh, or you know just blood related, uh, and just to see the dynamics of of how Thomas Wayne is kind of a dick and like. You know the the stuff that he's done uh, yeah. for the city is not necessarily the best. You know he's trying to run for mayor, and the stuff that he says about the people of the city, it's like any other instance. I feel like he's painted as a hero, and like here it's it's and they really make him not... out to be a stockbroker guy in this one. That it's that the guys who are you know killed are working for some kind of uh, stockbrokering thing that they're tied up in money markets. So it really makes Thomas Wayne a kind of a villain in, in some ways, or an, at least an antagonist. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, like we we're saying before in a lot of ways, like there is no hero in this movie, but like you're kind of behind Arthur, like he's the main character. So like you want him to get that justice uh, and that, that, um, uh, not justification because I said that before, but like the affirmation that, Thomas Wayne is his father and for some, like just for him to admit it. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's sad. You know, I, I think they don't really necessarily take a stance on nature versus nurture though, because they, they show how, um, because he, uh, his blood, 
related to Penny and she's mentally ill and he has that and, and she tries to take care of him. But even that doesn't work because if he would have been with Thomas Wayne as a father, that's not necessarily the best either. So it's kind of saying that, so, yeah. well, the, the nature of it is, is more impactful than how you're raised. Well, you're 100% right. And, you know, they leave a lot of stuff ambiguous in this movie. You know, and I think that's kind of the cool thing that this movie kind of gives is some kind of ambiguity, you know? Like, there's a lot of open-endedness to it. Okay, so, I can't wait to talk about my most ambiguous theory. Okay, so uh, we did the probably the main big spoiler. Let's go backwards. Uh, so I would like to talk about a few other, you know, fun moments. So I think in a lot of superhero movies lately... You know, they're afraid to do origin scene moments. You know what I mean? And I think that, you know, they're afraid to do Uncle Ben. They're afraid to kill the Waynes <laughs> again, you know? Even though they do it again. They did. Uh, they did. You know, like, they're... I think that origins, you know, they're fickle things. You know, people want to experience, you know, the origin that is closest to them. But they also want to see something new and different and, you know, experience it on that level. And I think the, the Joker movie gives an origin to um, this character in such an amazing way. I love the train sequence. I know that it's controversial and I know that people could probably say it's very violent and horrible, but it's, such a, it's so great. It's such a perfect build-up to this break in the story. So, you know, we've seen... Arthur Fleck be a clown and he dresses up as a fucking clown and goes and tries to, you know, get people to go into a music store. We see him get mugged as that clown. We see him get dressed up as a clown again and go into a children's hospital where he's being actually really sweet and it's like one of the few sweet moments in the movie and then a gun falls out of his pants. And I love that scene. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it's... uh, And also, like, he's painting this character he's creating this character of like he is studying comedy he's watching murray franklin he's learning he's watching other stand-up comedians and all the beats and the, th- the these kinds of jokes are funny and this is what's that and and so he's creating in his mind this persona of what this comedian this joker is right like the, yeah. the, that he ends up getting dubbed as um and it's it's I mean it's hard to talk about it backwards completely because so much of the movie is just a build and every little thing builds on itself. Um, but you know, I, I I think for me in a lot of ways going into this movie, I was like, oh, he's just not gonna live by the end. Like he's yeah, like he's gonna get killed. He's gonna commit suicide. Something that uh, it just you know the way they talked about the film and it's like oh we're not gonna have a sequel we're not gonna have it tied to anything it's just like the way that it needs to be this bottle means it's gonna be this tragedy but it like that's like it subverts your expectations right yes uh, and the <sighs> okay so I, I like the little setting of it I like the idea of him as a clown and as a, like a comedian I really like the idea of the Joker as a comedian um, I think that, and the only thing I wish that they had delved into more is like more of the comedians and him trying to do it because in the eighties and seventies, it was a huge deal and it, you couldn't go see comedians on the internet or download them to your phone on a podcast. You had to go to a fucking comedy club and that was a happening place and it would have been cool to tie in or see him go to a comedy class. I don't know. I, 
I could have seen some more there. I, I would have seen yeah. more anything. Uh, but... I, I know. I, w- I know what you're saying. It's like it, you want more, but I think the other thing is that because so much of this movie uh, is his delusion. Um, right. I really like the idea that he's up there telling jokes and he's hearing everybody laugh, but no one's actually laughing. Like, right. That's that's great. Yeah, that's very cool. And I I don't know I. And that goes back to his acting and just, like, looking the way that he did um, and preparing and bringing that scene to life. So you get, you build, it's this tremendous build. So you meet Arthur um, and you see his social worker. I didn't love the social worker. I thought we could have done better with the social worker scenes. Um, You know, I I thought he was good on his end, but, like, when you watch him in... uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman go head to head in the master when they're doing the, like the E meter scenes for imitating what they do in, uh, Dianetics and, uh, Scientology. They're really good. And like they, I would have liked to have seen them dig more into a little bit of why he ended up in the psych ward the first time. Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, mm. uh, you do you think about... it was casting? No, no, no. Someone else would have been better there or no, no, no. I think maybe you have, you give them more to do. You give the social worker more um, story beats. You know, use her as a story, you know, uh, thing and build up, you know, backstory. They didn't really do that. They just had these kind of quiet scenes where it's like, okay, so here he is. We have to learn why he laughs like this. Um, and I think that that is amazing. And the way that he acted that is really ama- really cool. And he obviously worked really hard watching people who have this disorder and uh made a really fantastic imitation of it it's it's painful to watch at times yeah definitely um so you see that you get there you know you get into um you go you go from there to seeing his home life um you begin one part of another twist uh keep keep moving forward then you you know you watch him be a clown and his like career as a clown gets shittier you also have this like nasty, scary clown guy who like gives him a gun. That was bizarre and strange. What did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's weird because they they set that guy up in the beginning, seeming to be as a uh, an empathetic character for him. Like, oh, you know, I feel for you, man. Like, it, it's a tough world out there. You gotta be like on top of your game. So here, like, do this, but. Also, like, if you are trying to look out for your quote-unquote friend or coworker, like, and you know he's mentally ill and you know he's not supposed to have a gun, giving him a gun is probably a bad idea. Um, yeah, probably bad. It, but it, it, yeah, I mean, obviously that one act spirals and, and unravels for for him and for everybody. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously he ends up dropping it. He gets fired because of it. Um, it's uh. It's sad um, because, yeah, I mean, just like watching everything kind of go downhill from there on. Like, I mean, it it wasn't he wasn't necessarily at a high high in the beginning of the movie, but just like. I don't know. Um, Yeah, that guy was okay. Um, The the one that I want to talk about, though, is um, his neighbor. I don't know what the character's name was um, played by Zazie Beetz, but, you know, the. the, delu- I, I the kinda, delusion, Tyler Durden. The delusion, yes, the Tyler Durden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, 
and I saw that coming. I, as soon as like he, uh, you know, he interacts with her in the elevator for the first time, and then like all these other events of him like uh, interacting with her and asking her out on a date and going in and making out with her, it's like this is just so hyper realized. There's no way it's real. Like there's no way that she's like falling for this guy. And I mean, I could have seen her supporting him if like they were friendly, but like they never played it like on a normal level, like a like low level, like just friends. It was always like they're romantically intertwined. It's like way too much. And to the point where he ends up in her apartment and like freaks her out and like the, the twist comes to, to life. And it's like, you know, this whole thing was a lie. Um, what do you think about that? I, I liked her character. I thought she was fun to play around with. Um, you know, it was definitely, uh, you know, a very, like, the, after they had gotten over the hump of the big twist, like, this seemed like another, like, little twist to, like, play around in. And, like, they just were like, okay, it wasn't real. All right, on to the next thing. <laughs> and yeah. I, I thought that was cool, too. It definitely felt like, um, uh, what would be the, uh, I don't know, like, heightened and... and uh, eccentric and you know those really manic you know states that people who are really mentally ill have well uh, yeah and then the other thing is like it, it didn't really come out of left field for me because they already played with the sense of reality when he's watching murray franklin and like shows up in the the audience and he's brought on stage and like like for a little while you're almost like oh is this actually happening because they play it like so straight and then, all, and then it so comes fun. back out that's so good. Like, yeah, the the interaction between oh man, I mean, we haven't talked about De Niro at all, but no, he's so, he's great. I think it's super meta and cool that De Niro would come in and be in a movie that's so close to Taxi Driver like this. Um, I, I think it's also awesome the way that they played out the ending. The climax of this movie is like on a new level of crazy, man. Like the way that this movie builds and like escalates, like. It just doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it kind of meanders in certain ways. Like, it kind of goes crazy, and the, the movie itself goes crazy, you know? Like, once he shoots the guys in, in the train, like, everything is just, you can't really tell if it's real or if it's not, and you can't really tell how he's going to react. Is he going to do the nice thing? Is he going to do the wrong thing? Are we going to cheer for him to do the wrong thing? Like, what, what, where are we on, where are we on the next stance? But that's like, that's quintessential Joker too, right? Like you never yeah. know what he's going to do. And like he, he murders the, the friend in, in his house and you're like, Oh my God, the poor other guy that's there. Like he's going to kill him too. And then, then he doesn't because of course not. It's like, he's like, no, I liked you. You're fine. Like he has a, a, a sense of like normalcy for a moment. Like What? Yeah, you that part is really. Thing. Th that's yeah. that's my favorite shot. Maybe is when uh, the shot of him with the white makeup on and the blood splatter on half of his face after just having killed the big scary guy from True Detective. That's just yeah. awesome. And then he looks at the small little uh, little person on the other side of the room and he's like, "Hey, uh, I can't get out of here." <laughs> I love right. it. Yeah, uh, and, it, and and it's cool because it's like not only do you see him evolve. Um, in terms of his character, um, of his interactions and the, and the way he, he speaks and the way he laughs, which like the, the laughter evolves as well. Then he talks about how he stops taking his meds and then 
like then there's everything from his physicality like the way he carries himself is different he he dyes his hair and he's like halfway joker right he's got his hair dyed and his face is white but he doesn't have the full-on makeup and then like the blood spatter on his face is just like another level of him almost getting there but then taking another step back um and but you're right like the whole thing starts to unravel like as he starts to kill these people and um, but he's still confident. He's like, I'm going to get on, on Murray Franklin. And he, ma- he makes it onto the stage. Like how, I mean, obviously the detectives in this, this movie <laughs> aren't doing a great, great job. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, guy a clown that's mask. Also, yeah, but that's also like the times, you know, like it's not that everyone has a cell phone or that there's security cameras everywhere. Like yeah. you could in New York city in the seventies and the eighties, you could totally shoot someone and get away with it for a few days. If you had a mask on, I'm sure totally sure you were totally you could do that um so i think that they wanted to recreate they wanted to use like the period to their advantage and i think that they really did um Mm -hmm. so getting back to the de niro of it all um they were supposed to be and i remember talking not talking that's how fucking crazy my ego is i remember listening to the mark merrill pod mark maron podcast and (laughs) he was talking about how he did a walk and talk with de niro and that wasn't in the movie and I really, uh, I really wish that they had uh, done this little walk and talk, or there was like an interstitial scene where like we're blowing up, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> the phones are off the hook. Uh, like I don't know, just that, yeah. You know, I he's like, barely in it. He's barely in it. I, I don't know. I like the character of Murray. I like that they built him up so much. You know, in his own head. Uh, also that's what media used to be like. That was Johnny Carson. You know, you wanted to go on and be with the guy and, uh, it was, he's like a father figure to him too, in a lot to- of ways. Well, right? totally. Cause he's like raised by TV. He's all fucked up in his head. Um, so just, yeah, man, oh, we, that ending sequence is nuts. We didn't even talk about how in between he, he killed his mother. Oh my God. Killing the mother was a little much for me. Yeah. But I understand why you have to do it. You have to do it yeah. because you have to make him a bad, non-sympathetic character. If you don't do that, he's still redeemable and he's still okay. As soon as you're done with that, he's now irredeemable and he's evil. And that's a different that's a different kind of character. And, yeah. you know, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I wasn't really sure the, the way they were going to go with it. Um you know, once he's he's there, it's kind of like I don't know. I mean, I, I felt like it. I, I expected it, and maybe be, like you said, because I expected him to be to take this dark, evil turn that eventually he was going to become the Joker. But at that point, when he when he killed her, I I didn't think he was going to survive the movie, and so I was like, well, if that's the way it's going to go. This like whole thing is going to die with them, and uh, you know the 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 truth about his uh his lineage or whatever um not that it necessarily even matters at the end of this movie but um yeah i don't know i thought it was interesting to have like a flashback scene with her as a young uh young penny and and see what she did i mean it's the whole all those details are kind of gray to me because it's like you have certain things that are are real you have certain things that are clearly being taken from the the file you have certain things that are recreated in his mind i guess um i don't know i I guess i again he to me when he uh 
was getting upset with her and uh, about the, the truth and getting upset with Thomas Wayne. It's like all these parental figures, he was going to get revenge on them all. So, like, he while he wasn't the one to actually kill Thomas Wayne, it was like, boom, boom, and Murray. Um, it all... It kind of jived in in that sense. I think it, like him killing her, his mother, made yeah. sense for what he did at the end to Murray. No, you're 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 right. I I, I get that summary. Summary. Um, all right. Let's also talk about. Um, all right. So let's talk about the comparisons. I think that it's it's not really. It's not our place to determine who's the best Joker, but I think that they're the. The differentiations and demarcations of these Jokers are all quite different now, I think. And, you know, I think, you know, Cesar Romero, the first guy to do Joker in the 66 TV show, you know, laid down a lot of the elements that people took from. He took the cartoony voices. He took the, um, you know, the long <laughs> monologues. He took, you know, the gags and the different practical jokes. Uh, and then you get to Jack Nicholson. I think Jack Nicholson is like a gangster. He's like a, a old school movie gangster guy who's really about crazy makeup and, uh, you know, nutty, um, you know, Prince music. Uh, then you get to, you know, Heath Ledger, who I think is really about chaos and mayhem and mischief and like is about philosophical ideas and has so much going on. And Jared Leto is a, you know, I, he's like an Instagram bad guy. This joke, this Joker, I think, is about what makes someone become the Joker. Like we've never, we've seen what makes someone become a superhero. We've seen what makes someone become Batman or Superman, or any of these other people. But we've never seen like really how you become a villain. Like even Venom is fighting against, you know, a same same battle at the end to try to save people. Like yeah, he's he ends up being an antihero. Like this is. How do you become a villain? And how do you mm-hmm. make that work on screen? I don't know if I have a favorite yet because I don't know if how I sit with this one yet, but what do you think comparing them to the rest? Like, do you think that this he deserves a spot? Do you, do you think it's going to be different than the other people? What do you think about the mantle of Jokers? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Um, I, I don't have uh, much of an opinion on Cesar Romero, unfortunately. I haven't really watched enough of that. Um but, you know, to me, it's like, it's Heath Ledger, it's Shaq Nicholson, it's Mark Hamill, um, are the are the ones that are the most iconic in my mind. Um, and this one is up there. Like, I don't know, like, this in a lot of ways, like, I love 89 Batman, but like this, it stands alone. And I think for me going into it the reason i was most skeptical is because you don't have him interacting with batman but like just the the story the story and his origin story is so interesting to me and his his descent into chaos and and um in a lot of ways like he becomes more clear through this whole film right like if anything he was clouded at the beginning and like everything is it, like and the other and the other thing he talks about is like it, he thought it was a tragedy and becomes a comedy like just that sort of path is just so interesting to me we're like you know um a Jack Nicholson he he killed Bruce Wayne's parents and then like he's just kind of a, a bad 
gangster guy. It's not that interesting. I mean, Nicholson's great, but I don't know. This this is this is up there for me. Um, I mean, we didn't even really talk about like like we see him finally don the makeup. We see him like go out uh, and go through the subway and Two go through everything. Jams. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then like he he murders Murray on on live television, and he addresses the the camera, and then like the entire city explodes like into chaos, and he's watching it in in the backseat of a police car. Like again, I didn't think he was gonna live still, and then like they pull him out like the savior of the city in so many ways, like right like. Like we were bringing this guy back out to to life, and they're like honoring him. And they're, I, I guess, we were supposed to assume he has like some Joker gang from there on out. But like, I don't know. I think it, it's it's such a great way to end him as a character because like you can imagine what would happen next, and that's why I don't want another one. I think it's it's more fun to enough. imagine. It's more fun to imagine. Um, I think do you have ma- a favorite? Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I think that, uh, I think that Nicholson is probably, I, I, still my favorite. I love Heath Ledger in the movie. I just, he's just, it's just awesome, and it, it's yeah. just, it's just so fun. It's totally his movie. Those are probably my my two faves. I don't know. Uh, you know, I think that I. To talk about the look and the the makeup of the Joker, I really like the look of this guy, man. I think that they, I don't, I wish there was more Pagliacci stuff. Like I thought that they were gonna like, especially from all the trailers, I thought that they were gonna include more Pagliacci, you know, references or anything, and they really kind of don't do that. Uh, maybe in the makeup a little bit at different times, uh, but it looks so cool and separate from everyone else, and it feels so yeah. menacing and and. Uh, what are those crazy people like juggalo like, you know, like it definitely plays off of the clown and clowning scary clown. Oh culture. yeah. 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 I also love that his, his look at the end, I mean, obviously his, uh, his makeup throughout the movie is pretty consistent, but his look at the end is like so similar to the actual mask that everyone else is wearing. Yeah. Like you've got the green hair and you've got like the way the blue goes across the eyes. Um, I think that's really cool because, like, it makes him, like, invisible in so many ways when everyone else is wearing it. Yes. Um, I I think the other thing people were talking about is, like, the colors of his suit. I mean, the colors in the movie overall, right? Like, the colors of the suit are not your iconic Joker colors necessarily. But, like, you didn't have that with Heath Ledger either. But, like, it looks so good. You still got the three-piece suit. You still got the green hair. You know, you got all the things you need. Like, uh, you don't, uh, I, I, you got what you, you got, what you pay for. Um, yeah, I think his characterization is cool. The look was cool. The period look was cool. I like the long hair. Um, I guess we like our jokers with long hair and not short. Uh, that seems mm, silly yeah. to me. Uh, and then, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what this Joker is about, but like, I just love the craziness of it. I think it's going to be its great own movie for such a long time. And I'm thrilled that, that, that there's potential that they uh, um, are going to do more movies like this. So yeah. let's talk about a couple. Todd... Yeah, go ahead. Well, one other thing that I want to talk about. So um, to me, this film, 
uh, in a lot of ways is uh, like we were talking before has been exploring his sanity and his, and what's actually real. I really love that the way it's framed, like in the beginning or in, in certain bits towards the beginning, you see him in the institution um, and not, you know, uh, with the, the social worker, but like in the white room. And then the movie ends with him in the white room. And he's like, oh, I was just thinking of a joke and everything. To me, there's a, a big argument that this whole movie takes place in his head. Yeah. And I think that's also fine. Like, uh, the, while like some people may be like, well, but the, how, is he, how are we going to have the actual Joker? It's like, well, it doesn't matter because we're not going to have like a continuation. It's just like it's supposed to exist as this thing. And like you can overanalyze it and say, well, maybe like the the at the scene at the end is, you know, in the beginning of the movie, or the scene at the end is like a couple of years later if they catch him, or Batman catches him, or I don't know. I just I think it's such an interesting statement, and it's also kind of like in my mind a nod to Christopher Nolan with like his ambiguous endings and like Dark Knight Rises and Inception and stuff. Definitely. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. Um. Yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or if you want no, to talk definitely. about Todd Phillips. No, no, no. Uh, I like the I like that it could be all in his head and all a dream. I think that that is like that that's really cool and a, and a, and really gives it to the psychosis of the movie, man. Like it's definitely it's definitely fun, and I hope that like more movies could do that. I'm down to watch movies that challenge me and make me feel weird. Um, anyway, uh, Todd Phillips is being weird too. Um, so. <laughs> Good segue. Uh, he's being, he's had some interesting stuff. I think he should stop talking. Whoever's in charge of him, tell him to stop talking. Um, so it started off when he said, we have no plans for a sequel. The quote was, I will do anything Joaquin wants to do. And I would, but the movie is not set up to have a sequel. We always pitch it as one movie and that's it. I appreciate the beauty and like the idea that this is going to be it and that there's not going to be a sequel. There's not going to be, you know, a connected universe that this is just a one and done kind of movie. Um, I think that that's fine. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it'll stay true. I think that they could build a movie universe out of this and just do it in a way that's more subtle and interesting and you don't have to go so crazy with all the references and bringing in Batman and all this different stuff. You just have to set it in this kind of crazy, spooky-ass world and continue to play around in it. All right, so here's where he got into, I think, stupid trouble. So he, this guy directed Road Trip, Old School, The Hangover Movies, but he recently said, go try to be funny nowadays with this woke culture. There were articles written about why comedies don't work anymore. I'll tell you why. He goes, all the fucking funny guys are like, fuck this shit because I don't want to defend you. And it's hard to argue with 30 million people on Twitter. Um, and I get that. And I can see that he wanted to do something different. Now, all of the comedians in the world have been like, like going after and like renouncing this. And it's not saying that woke culture is bad, but that like, generally the idea and like this is what Marin said i think either today or yesterday was like it's about punching down aggressively like if you're aggressively punching down for no reason then people will know that and that's wrong and they and especially if it's somebody a group of people that's like offended and shitty like then they're gonna come and get you like that's it and i i, I think that that's all we need to say about that and then taika watiti tweeted at him lol he funny which i thought was also funny uh, and uh, yeah, he's a weird guy. Um, I listen. I think if they want to do the bad guy universe for uh, the for the DC movies, I'm definitely down to see that. What I was saying to you, I think 
earlier, as soon as we got out of the movie, is we wanted to see this Joker go up against a Batman. And the very most controversial, con- you know, what Todd Phillips was saying was like, this was not meant to be like the Joker, like who goes up against our Batman, like this guy inspired Batman or inspired the Joker. And I, I don't know. I want to see this guy go up against, you know, his stepbrother, Bruce Wayne. Who, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, they could have like, if, if that was their true intention, they could have like went another step and just been like, Oh yeah. Thomas Wayne and Bruce Wayne and Martha Wayne were all killed. And there is no Batman, right? Yes, definitely. They could have done that and just said that, but they did go there. And so now everyone's like, well, yeah. it's set up. They can do it. It, I mean, it would be hard because, like, Bruce Wayne is a little kid here. Um, and, like, in a lot of ways, I keep thinking about Gotham as a show because that's also a prequel. And, like, you have a young Bruce Wayne and you're setting up all these villains and, like, well, yes, it would be interesting to do that on the big screen. Like, to me, it feels a little done, but that's also because I've watched the whole show. And, like, I don't know. I, it, it could be – I think it would actually have been a lot more interesting if they went and, like, did a uh, Dark Knight – is it Dark Knight Returns? Or what's – no, it's Flashpoint, I guess, is when, when Thomas Wayne survives. And oh, yeah. Kill, right? oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That could have been cool. They could have done something like, weird like that. But, like – to, to keep the stamp of like Bruce Wayne's alive and you know, he's got this vendetta on this crazy guy that killed or, like set off this chain of events that killed his parents. I mean, we can all imagine what's going to happen. Like it would be cool to see him up against it, but I don't want like, because Joaquin's Joker was the focus of this film. Right. I wouldn't want to take him out of the spotlight and I'd be down for Joker too. And like Batman be like the villain. That would be cool. Yes. So, I don't know. I don't think we'll get it, though. No, I'm, that, that does sound awesome. Um, okay. Uh, do you have any other villains besides Mr. Freeze or Two-Face you think would be compelling in a movie? On By themselves? Um, I think two, Two-Face could be interesting. Um, I think... I think Riddler could work. Um... But that, that may be too similar to this one. Um, I don't think I don't care about. I don't think too, uh, Mr. Freeze would be that interesting. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, Scare, Scarecrow could be fun, but I guess like that we're just thinking about like psychological thrillers at this point, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it also depends on what they do with the Batman. Uh, the, the Matt Reeves movie because like de- depending on what villains are in that one um, you know how many times do we need to see certain ones on screen right it's kind of you're 100% right <laughs> um, yeah I don't okay. know I so think the... yeah go, go ahead. ahead no no I'm I was tra- transitioning go ahead I think Scarecrow would be cool um, I think that you could make a really scary I think Scarecrow is kind of a scary guy um and then I also think that it would be really cool to see a Lex Luthor movie. I think yes. that would be an interesting way to do it. I'm down to yes. see that. Different different direction, but same same idea. Yeah. Um, okay, so the last thing. Do you think he gets nominated? Yes, I absolutely think he gets nominated. Do you think he wins? I guess it depends on what he's up against. Um, yeah, I think he wins. I do. I do think he Ooh. wins. 
I think he wins. I kind of think he deserves it. This is just so good. And like, yeah. it, uh, to me, it's like the performance. I I come away more in awe of the performance than necessarily the film overall. You know what I mean? Yes. And I guess that happens all the time, but um, yeah, I, I, I think about what he did, and he just like went into the character. He became the character, um, and and the movie is fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, well, this was awesome. I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys did too. Joker is in theaters now. You can check it out. Um, I'm sure it'll be playing and making a ton of money through the rest of the Halloween season. Um, don't dress up as the Joker for Halloween, though. Come on, guys. We can get more creative than this shit. Let's let's do better. What are you going to be for Halloween this year, Frank? I don't know. I mean, I, I just had a really great time wearing my Obi-Wan costume this past weekend and it's like Ooh, still hanging up right over again. there next to me um so i don't know i mean it depends on if we're doing anything i guess if we're gonna go anywhere or do anything on halloween or the ho- the weekend before halloween then i might think about getting costume but well if you really if you are thinking about anything that you're going to be doing for halloween let me tell you you can show up uh-huh. to the spooky the espresso self spooky spotlight show coming up on tuesday october 29th starting at 6 30 we're going to be having one hell of a show frank have you seen the lineup no i haven't seen it yet okay the lineup on there you've got alex grubard of weeding out the stone which is a fantastic podcast everyone should listen to you have uh the comedy of grove rune not excuse me that's so wrong uh you have the comedy of nate marshall who's a great uh comedian uh uh, local to Jersey City, been around the Philly area. You have Deanna Kobe, who's also a Jersey City comedian. Uh, you've got Grove Rune, who is a s- amazing uh, singer-songwriter specializing really on the piano. We have a band coming through called The Racer, and we also have uh, the comedy stylings of one Joshua J and singer-songwriter Will White. We have a stacked show. There's going to be a costume contest. They're going to be giving away uh, a whole awesome coffee package. Uh, Hudson Coffee makes their own pumpkin spice uh, stuff. They make their own homemade pumpkin spice things. doesn't come out of a box like fucking Starbucks does. And uh, you should come down and check it out. It's going to be on October 29th in Hudson Coffee in Hoboken, New Jersey. So we hope to see you down there, everyone. Awesome, awesome. Can't wait. So, yeah. Are you wearing a costume? I am definitely going to be wearing something. (laughs) I'm definitely going to be wearing a costume. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Awesome. So, yeah. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, This has been the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Uh, You can email us info at longlostheroes.net. You can find us on socials at LLH Podcast. Um, You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google, whatever suits your fancy. As always, I'm AJ. I'm Frank. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great night. All right. Bye.